Today's episode of the Hidden Figures podcast is brought to you by Nubian Skin. Nubian Skin is a lingerie, hosiery and intimates brand for women of colour. Frustrated by the lack of suitable nude lingerie and hosiery to match her skin tone, Ade Hassan decided it was time for a different kind of nude. So for all you beautiful women, next time you need something in your nude, head to nubianskin.com and enter the code HIDDENFIGURES in all caps for 10% off your purchase. This code is valid for all products and the offer ends at midnight on the 30th of June. Hello, welcome to the Hidden Figures um, podcast. Uh, This is a show where we interview successful um, black British men and women from the generation before us and just try and get a good understanding of what it is they did, their story, how they got to the position they are and so on and so forth. Um, So my name's Damini, Um, I work in HR as a consultant, I do kind of reward and diversity things, looking at equal pay audits and that sort of thing. I also have quite a few other businesses which I'd expect you'll all hear about as time goes on. Um, but that's also why I'm very interested in talking to um, these quote-unquote hidden figures. Um, so for today, I've got a guest um, called Comfort Momo, who's got an MBE for her work in reversing the effects of uh, FGM, female genital mutilation. Um, so Comfort, if you don't mind, could you just briefly uh, summarise what that is and, and how you became Comfort? <laughs> female genital mutilation is removal of the vulva female vulva, Mm -hmm. either for non-medical or cultural reason. And there are four different types um, of female genital mutilation. Mm -hmm. Um, Type 1 is when the clitoris has been removed, either totally or partially. Mm -hmm. And then type 2, again, when the clitoris has been removed, either totally or partially, and the inner lips, which is the labia minora. And then we have a type 3, when everything has been removed, stitched together, leaving a tiny opening for the passage of urine and menstrual flow. And then we have a type 4, which is unclassified. That sounds very um, ghastly. Um, I mean, obviously I'm a man, so I don't have a vagina, but that certainly doesn't sound like a a nice procedure at all. Um, So, um, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to get back to that um, in the first place, but I kind of wanted to take it back and start from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I understand that you are half Nigerian, half Ghanaian, correct? Yes, I am. And you grew up in, in Lagos, in Nigeria. Lagos, yeah. So if you don't mind, could you tell us a bit about that, uh, who are your parents? I also understand that you've got 11 siblings, I think, or, or quite a <laughs> yeah. few siblings. <laughs> I do. Okay, so yeah. if, if you don't mind, could you just tell us about what it was like growing up in Nigeria? Um, growing up in Nigeria was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. We were looked after by my grandmother, um, okay. great-grandmother. Um, she's dead now. She died at age 90. She brought oh. up about, well, she had 11 children oh, herself, wow. okay. um, same mother, same father. Yeah. And my father was first of 11 children. They were all born in um, Nigeria. So my grandparent from my father's side were from Ghana and my mom from Nigeria but my father was born in Nigeria and my dad is 82 this year he'll be 82 so um growing up in Nigeria was really fun because we had all the siblings um all my um uncles and aunties were around so that was really fun and um, within my own family, I'm the first of nine children. Oh, of nine. So, okay, well. Big family. Yeah, so yeah. I guess, was that was that a lot of responsibility at a young age? Did you have to, like, 
I guess most people speak about when they've got younger siblings, you almost become the second or the third parent or whatever. Was that definitely, definitely. But I always say my grandmother made me what I am today, um, bless her. Because mm. then looking back, you think to think, you get to think that, oh my God, my grandmother is so wicked. She makes you do all the shows. Chores, yeah. She divide the, she was very fair though. Yeah. She divide the shows and you have to do your work before you go to, to school. And yeah. then when you come back, you continue before your homework and all that mm. and I used to think oh my gosh she was a wicked grandma <laughs> but then looking back having my own kids and yeah. it was real discipline yeah. really real discipline and like I said it was fun with other siblings mm -hmm. with um, my cousins and my uncles and my nephews around we all grew up together okay so uh, I'm, I'm from Nigeria as well so okay. when I when I go to Nigeria certainly more so in the village, but you've got these massive houses yes. or these massive plots of land yeah. and all different houses on the same plot of land mm -hmm. and the whole family lived. Was that kind of your setup? Or? Uh, because we lived in Lagos oh, and, okay. yeah, we lived in Lagos, but um, then my, my mom tends to take us back to the villages okay. and to meet um, uncles and aunties. But it wasn't, um, I wasn't that close to my mom's side because, unfortunately, hence my name Comfort, my first name Comfort, mm. Um, unfortunately, as the first child, uh, when my mom was pregnant with me, mm. obviously looking forward for her mom to look after her during pregnancy and post-delivery and all that. But unfortunately, my grandma from mm -hmm. my mom's side died two days before I was born. Okay. So, hence okay. my name Comfort, Comfort. Okay. to my mom. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a lovely name. Yeah. Well, a lovely story behind Thank the name. Thank you. Um, okay, so... Um, so how long, how, how long, how old were you when you moved from Nigeria? How long okay. were you in Nigeria for? Um, I'll be 56 this year. I know women don't tell their ages, <laughs> but I don't mind um, growing up gracefully. Yeah. Um, I left Nigeria in 1985. Okay. So that's about 30... I'm not good in my... Yeah, about 35 years, 30-something years ago. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. And um, what made you what made you want to leave? What made you want to come to? Um, because my dad worked for the Nigerian High Commission. Okay. He'd always traveled anyway, and oh, hence okay. we were looked after by my grandmother. I see. So because my dad was a chief accountant for the um, Nigerian, I think then it was called uh, External Affairs or something. Okay. So he always traveled. He's always away for five years, three years, here and there. And during holiday time, obviously, we go to visit him. So, um, yeah, hence my grandmother looked after us. So um, I started my training at Lutz, Lagos University yeah. Teaching Hospital, in 1981 to 84. Mm -hmm. And I guess when I was in my second year, I kept saying I have to travel abroad too, um, just to have different experience mm -hmm. and then bring that experience back, back. to okay. to Nigeria or back to Africa. And, um, yeah, and that was the aim, really. And uh, I remember then um, with my, my year group, they always laugh at me thinking, oh, gosh, you haven't even finished studying here. Yeah, you're, and you're thinking about. But then I had the foresight that I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I had the vision and um, then told my uncle that he well, was living here to get the application form and things for me. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I finished over in Nigeria, I just came back. I uh, came over here a few months after. 
Okay. And so do you mind me asking, because it just occurred to me, I think mm. around the timing you said, you said, obviously you said that your your dad's family was from Ghana and yeah. that's who you grew up, grew up with. I know around that time there was this whole Ghana must go Oh, yes. Thing in Nigeria. <laughs> did, did that affect you or your family at all or not, not so much? Um, not so much. Yeah. I guess, again, going back to my Ghana route, uh, my grandparents, um, mm. my dad's um, parents, been in Nigeria for many, many years. Mm. And my grandfather was an um, engineer. Um, okay for the Nigerian Railway Corporation. Okay. So they had the roots, so real quite, deep yeah. roots there. And then I had an uncle who owns the Baini Zoo. I don't know, okay. you might be too young yeah, to no, know that. Know, yeah. We used to have a zoo, the only zoo in Lagos, okay. um, owned by... Uh, uh, my uncle, uncle and and that was very popular then. So okay. we had a really really big roots in yeah, in Nigeria I see, then. I see. Yeah, so and like I said, my dad will be eighty two this year. Yeah, and he went to a cool boys high school. Okay, you can so imagine yeah, then. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I guess just even though you're half Ghanaian, I guess t- would I be right in thinking that you kind of identify with Nigeria a bit more? Or? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Unfortunately, because I've only been to Ghana once and that okay. this was when my grandmother died. Okay. And again, it goes back because my grandparents lived in Nigeria. Nigeria yeah. So, okay. and um, yeah. Got you, got you. Um, and so when you moved to London, mm. whereabouts, where, where did you move to? <laughs> when I came to London, you know, like when you've just moved, this is it's yeah. different. Yeah. Although I've been before on holidays, but yeah. it's different to moving to yeah. reality. It's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I really wanted to come, but I'm here. What am I going to do? Yeah. Where am I going to start? But I remember I lived in South London, Clapham. Clapham, yes, okay, yeah. I lived in Clapham, and then for me, like I said, one, once I know what I want to do, yeah. I go for it. Yeah. I remember I had to apply to so many hospitals because because I trained back in Nigeria. Coming here, I have to do what we call adaptation course mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that it's I like can get yes. Almost, yeah. So I remember then we're talking about thirty something years ago, eighty five. Mm. Um, I had to write to so many hospitals to mm. um to to kind of incur if uh, I can do the adaptation course. I wrote to about hundreds hospitals. Oh, wow. and, and I guess in that time it was physical writing. It wasn't that yes, online? Yes, yeah. definitely it was physical writing, yeah. and I love writing. I love reading as well. Okay. So I just was just writing and writing. Yeah. Saying to about hundreds um, hospitals. Fortunately got five positive um, responses, responses yeah. and I was able to go to Edinburgh Hospital in Cambridge. Okay. So I was in Edinburgh Hospital in 85 to 86, where I did my adaptation course. Yeah. And the adaptation course was meant to be for about six months, but after three months, um, the then matron signed me off, saying, gosh, okay. you're you know, okay, you know and doing, you yeah. can... So then I came back to London okay. um, to look for a job. And then I went to do my midwifery at um, North Middlesex Hospital in Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton yeah. And then after that, I went to do my um, BSc in women's health at King's University King's of College, London. Yeah. And then I did my master's at King's as well. So I did okay. my master's in health promotion, health education. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
A lot of education. Yeah. Uh, do you mind me asking, though, just almost to take a step back, um, just the experience moving from Nigeria. Mm. I don't know where you moved to in Clapham, and I know mm. at that time I th- the Brixton riots were maybe five, six years after that. Yes, so I know was. that there was like a lot of racial tension in that general area. Mm. What was it like moving, being this Nigerian... Uh, I'm, given what your dad did, I'm assuming, from a position of relative wealth, mm, mm. quite comfortable. What was it like now moving to London, um, dealing with English people, dealing... Just, if you could tell us what the new world was like and yeah, almost was, paint a picture of Clapham at the time really as well. It was really different, yeah. challenging, cultural yeah. shock to yeah. me, where it's like you, then I, you had all your siblings, you had your families with you, all of a sudden you're just on your own yeah. to make a decision... Um, Did you then, move with anyone? Or? I think I lived, I'm trying to remember, I think yeah. I, I, I rented a room or I was living, first I lived with some cousin, then I mm. had to move to rent a room. And the shock was like, yeah, oh my God, imagine. you're on your own. Yeah. What do you do? Nobody to help you to make a concrete decision and mm. you just you're just left on your own to 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 make this um decision and the challenges were there yes i had my father and uh, my parents back home or wherever my dad traveled to then mm. with work supporting but it was really shocking to mm. me the shock yeah. and um obviously you had to quickly adjust yeah and uh, make the most of the environment mm. yeah okay um, and um, I guess t- to go back to your career now. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did what sparked your interest in FGM in the first place? As, as far as I know, it's not a it's not a um, common practice in. No. Uh, well, I, I know Lagos is in Yoruba land. It's mm. not common amongst Yoruba people. I don't know. I don't know about the rest of Nigeria. Um, so what kind of sparked your interest? How did you get into it in the first place? Right, going back to how I started or when my interest grew around FGM was back in Nigeria, actually, when okay. I was doing my training at LUT. Then I had lots of friends always say to me, oh, my cousin died from hem- FGM, from hemorrhage, excessive okay. bleeding. And some would say my, um, my sister died. And then I didn't know what FGM was at all mm. because my family didn't practice it. Mm. And I remember I came home to my grandma from uni one day and I sat with her and said, Grandma, what is FGM? Mm. And she looked at me thinking, what are you on yeah. about? <laughs> I had to explain to her. I was so disappointed because you feel like your grandmother <coughs> is so wise yeah, and she yeah, has yeah, knowledge. Know she it. didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Then I thought, uh-uh, I need to know more. And that's yeah. how I started um, looking into it. Okay. And when I came to England, obviously, um, working at Guys and um no sorry Guys and Saint Thomas's was later but working at um, Edmonton um, mm. North Middlesex Hospital I was so fortunate that I had um, a Sudanese doctor that came from Sudan to do his elective practice okay and um, and I knew then that FGM was prevalent in Sudan very mm-hmm. high prevalence in Sudan and I used to sit down with him had heavy argument and chat with them as mm. to why why what's really 
um, how will I, what drives people, what yeah. drives families to mutilate their daughters. Yeah. So we used to have um, heated um, debate around yeah. that. And he, fortunately, he had a clinic that he was running then because then we had a lot of Somali um, families in mm -hmm. Tottenham mm -hmm. in the 80s and he was caring for them. And I used to, on during my um, days off, I used to go to his clinic just oh, because of my injury, learn, just yeah. volunteering. Little yeah. did I know that 10, 15 years, years later, ago, this, this experience will be so useful. Yeah. So that's how um, I started growing my interest then, did lots of research around it. And also when I was doing my women's health and my master's and my mm. BSc, I did most of my um, dissertation on FGM. Okay. And also I've traveled to so many um, African countries like Somaliland mm -hmm. um, to do research, to find out what really drives the communities yeah. and the family especially um, to perform FGM. Because what really, what I can't get my head around is you as a mother, you've yeah. been through FGM, you know the consequences, you know the psychological, the physical, the mental health issues around FGM, and you still want to put your daughters through it. I just couldn't get so it. So what was the, what, why, why do people do that? Um, there are so many reasons put forward for FGM. Culture mm. is a big one. Mm -hmm. Tradition. People believe, where well, is my tradition? Um, I have to confirm it's my culture and all that. And what we say is, yes, we do have beautiful cultures in Africa, mm. but FGM is one that we really, really need to work out to eradicate to or end, to get rid of um, FGM. And the other thing, the other big one is religion. People mm. always think FGM um, as a good Christian or as a good Muslim, you yeah you and have how, to. How do they tie that? Like, what's that got to do with Christianity? Well, I, it's it's not it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Quran, and yeah. that's again that's the argument. You know how we we like to hide behind religion, yeah, saying, definitely. "Oh well, the Bible said this, the Quran said this," but working very closely with um, religious leaders, and um, we now know that FGM has no base with religion. Mm. It's not in the Quran. It's not in the Hadiths. It's not in the Bible. But some will argue and say, isn't the weak I did? So it's mm. got nothing to do with religion. And the other big one, again, is for marriage ability. As a parent or as a community, you want your daughter to marry well. Mm -hmm. And for your daughter to marry well, one of the requests within the community is, is she has to be cut. So again, that drives that. And the other thing um, we found out in Nigeria, you did say the Yorubas don't perform FGM. They do. Okay. The Ondos. Oh, yeah. The Akures, yeah, um, and then, um, yeah, um, and then it's the, the, the other thing is, as a Nigerian myself, lots of my friends tend to shy away from it, say they don't practice FGM in yeah. Nigeria. They do. Yeah. We were in Nigeria about two years ago to do a scoping visit, and I'm telling you, a boy in state performs FGM, yeah. some party nibbles that perform FGM, so it, it is still there, but yeah. maybe not much in the cities, but yeah. still in but the so rural I mean, areas. I see. Yeah, I see, I see. Um, and so it sounds like education was definitely something that was very important for you. Yeah. Um, what drove you to keep 
going down the path of mm. of of the education route. I guess when I first started here raising the awareness about 25, 28 years ago, there were people before me. There were if um there's a uh, there was a lady Ifwa Dequino. She started all the movements and all the work around FGM in the 80s, early 80s. But unfortunately, she died about four years ago. I was with her in Nigeria to do a scoping visit to see how big the problem was in Nigeria shortly before she died. Mm. Um, There were people like um, Shamiz Diris. Shamiz Diris is from Somalia. She and Efwa worked together in early 80s. Um, because what was happening was that people were presenting to different parts of the hospitals mm-hmm. with FGM-related problems. Mm-hmm. And the doctors, the nurses, the midwives, they didn't know, know what, what to do. To do. And they were looking at these um, the, the FGM as some abnormalities, okay. right? That, oh, these Africans have got these abnormalities. Yeah. Especially during childbirth, where you have... Um, type 3 FGM where yeah. everything is closed Just, leaving a tiny wow. opening and when you're coming in labor yeah. there's no way to assess to see oh, if wow. you're even in labor yeah. and when I started working at uh, uh, we need to change this yeah. attitude and this mindset and we need to educate the professionals mm-hmm. because the professionals didn't have a clue at all and hence the education and hence need to work with home office yeah. need to to work with um, the government as yeah. well, um, the police, yeah. um, as well as um, safeguarding because it's child abuse, yeah. number one, and also it's about safeguarding girls who might be at risk, yeah. as well as safeguarding the mothers as well who comes to our care. So. I see. And so is that how the unit in St. Guys, in guys in St. Thomas was opened up in the first no, place? No, no. How the guys in St. Thomas's started, I was working, I did my training at North Mid, um, and I worked at North Middlesex for about 10 years. Yeah. And um, how, this is so interesting, and working at um, North Middlesex Hospital, where I did my midwifery training, working there for about 10 years, I needed to progress, obviously. Mm-hmm. I needed to have more senior posts. And I did apply for more senior posts at um, at North Middlesex Hospital, which I didn't get, obviously. Mm-hmm. Again, it's th- those were the challenges as a black woman. Yeah. Then um, you have people that you've trained. They, are, they were your student. Yeah. They've come in into the system. You've trained them. And, and all of a sudden, they climbed the ladder and yeah. you still. So I just... I was getting really frustrated and say it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. But then my kids were still little then. Mm-hmm. I think then they were like oh, five and six or something. And I discussed with my husband, I'm like, I need to move on, but I didn't know what to do. And fortunately, this is true story. Fortunately, I tend to look at the nursing times, you know, for new jobs, the mm-hmm, magazine mm-hmm. and all that. And I'll flick through them, put them on the dining table. And there was this particular one. I bought it, put it on the dining table. My husband flicked through it, saw the guys on St. Thomas's posts um, mm-hmm. saying they're looking for 
somebody to set up FGM clinic. Okay. And then my husband was like, you've done so Perfect much you, work yeah. around this. Why don't you apply for this job? So how many years experience would you say you had here before you moved on to that? To um, 10 years. 10 years. At, okay, at, so at um, North Middlesex Hospital. Yeah. Yes, okay. definitely. Before moving to Guys and St. Thomas. Okay, okay. So it was like, I didn't want to apply because I was thinking it's too far. Yeah. Having young kids. Our kids and, and yeah. being in North Anyway, London, yeah. to quote it short, my husband was the one that got the application form because mm. I didn't want to apply. Yeah. So I got the form and I got the job. And I've been working at Guys and St. Thomas's for 20 years. Yeah. So, um, and I set up the clinic there. Okay. And I understand that shortly after, after that, as in setting up the clinic... Um, you were doing some work advising the World Health Organization. Yes. How did that come about, and what was that like? Because I'm sure, you know, as, as you've explained, you came over from Nigeria. You, mm. did, you were a midwife. You then started studying FGM. You kind mm. of fell into it. it was something that interests you. Mm. You've now got this great opportunity to go to St Guy's and Thomas. You mm. set that up, and the next thing you know, you're doing it yeah, for the world. Way. Like, what what was that like? Was that was that a big shock to you? What was it like being a black woman on that stage? Just just tell us a bit about it. Yeah, being a at what I um, support lots of young people, mm -hmm. and what I always say to young people is, if you have a vision, and the um, the sky is the limit for you. Because mm -hmm. for me, as a black woman mm. um, here in the UK, obviously, I had to work my way around things myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had to go out there and look and think, okay, if I work with WHO, how what 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 can I do further? Yeah. So what I did was um kind of look for all the organizations around mm -hmm. an international organization, write to them, tell them about the clinic that we've just set up and mm -hmm. how we can work together. And that's how I've been able to work with I was invited to Australia, the, mm -hmm. the Australian government to give a talk on FGM to work with their um doctors and nurses and midwives as well. Mm -hmm. I was invited to Gambia. So again, it's like I go out to yeah. look for opportunity myself. I see. And that's how I've been able to and I've worked with WHO and I'm still um doing ongoing work with them okay. in terms of policies and guidelines for professionals i see and i understand then that all led up to i think 2008 you got your mbe yes. for that yes. how did that come about um, what was that like i understand you met the queen yes. um, which i guess must have been quite cool so so if, if you don't mind tell us about that how, how did you even end up being nominated for that what was the ceremony like the, 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 the thing is up to today yeah i don't really know who nominated me okay. but again I had about 10 of my clients yeah. saying we nominated it. So okay. they must have come together, come together and yeah. because, again, giving out to the community, reaching out to the community. I do a lot of work in my own time. Mm. And I know my husband gets really worried about me in terms of, in terms of burning out. And yeah. even yesterday I was in some community engagement oh, for yeah. Mother's Day and all that. And I enjoy that. So, Again, um, 
about 10 people nominated me mm. at different times and all that. And um, that experience and that feeling, obviously, again, it's rewarding. Mm. And for me, I'm not doing the FGM work or working within the community to be rewarded for, yourself, yeah. for myself, but I'm doing it for my community. Yeah. I'm doing it to engage with the community, young people, men, women, girls, mm. and, and, and the community as a whole. That, that was um, a very rewarding experience, and I never dreamt to meet the yeah. queen. Yeah. Living what was that like? my yeah. poor Nigeria <laughs> or my big Nigeria, I yeah. never I just wanted to come here, yeah. um, broaden my knowledge, bring the experience back to my country. And but saying that, I've always wanted to meet um, Mandela. That okay. was my dream to yeah. meet Nelson Mandela, and I did all my possible best to meet him, but unfortunately, because when I went to South Africa on two occasions, I went to the house or to the yeah. museum, but I wasn't able to meet him. Yeah, but then I met the Queen, yeah, which again, very grateful about and meeting the queen is something that you can't describe yeah you can't describe it i've met the queen twice oh, actually wow. okay. yeah the first meeting was before the um before my mbe um i had the phone call at work um and somebody said oh this is buckingham palace wow. as they do and i'm like no i wow. thought somebody was pulling one You're of my things legs, yeah. i just put the phone down oh, and the call came back again yeah. three times that i better leave this <laughs> and they were like That's oh crazy. we'll send you a letter we're just waiting for your response to confirm that you were coming Oh, like, wow. I didn't receive any letter. Yeah. Like, they started shaking, and apparently, they sent me an, a letter, an invite. And this was when um, the Queen was going to Kampala for the um, Commonwealth um, event. Okay. So, apparently, she invited about 100 people ministers, ambassadors, and all. And I was one of them. I'm like, Wow. I was shocked. Like, yeah, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> so got there. I was whisked with about four other people to yeah. another room to f officially meet, meet the, the queen. queen. I was shaking and like, <laughs> so met the queen. And yeah. a year after was That's my MBE. That's when MB. you got the MBE. Yeah. I see. And so, other than the queen, mm. have you met any? I, I, oh, yes. I feel like you met Theresa oh, yes. May. I heard you met Theresa May. Yeah, Theresa May. When Theresa May was the home secretary, secretary definitely yeah. we sit down together yeah. in meetings because she heads the um, FGM, female genital mutilations um, uh, meetings, yeah. And okay. I've met um, Desmond Tutu. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. Yeah. I love Desmond Tutu. Really, really, really um, big character yeah. and... Um, yeah, who else have I met? I've met quite a few yeah. people out there. So which I guess... I'm grateful. Oh, yes, I met the former um, Prime Minister. Which one now? Not um, the Brown, one before. Gordon after Gordon Brown Gordon as Brown. well. Okay. Yes, yes. So after meeting all of these important people, does, does it... I guess your, your status has changed now. Like, you've gone from being comfort moment a comfort mm. moment mbe mm. um you're now kind of part of this world to some to some extent these are people you meet on a regular basis yeah um what was that like did 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 
did that change anything for you personally or is it, is it you're still you're still like, what, what i say to my client to my student like i say i meant a lot of young mm. people and this is my dream to see people aspiring to see people um doing better than we because yeah. you, the young people are the future generation yeah. um yeah generation and we need to support them and we need to help them to grow and all that and for me i'm still comfort momo yeah despite that i've met a b c d i'm still myself yeah. i'm still um approachable yeah. flexible i reach out to everybody yeah. so i'm still myself and that hasn't changed anything yeah if if anything it's kind of make me to kind of want to do more and support mm. people more. Okay. And so do you mind telling us what, what kind of, um, you said you do a lot of like work in the community and mm. social work and stuff. What, what is what is that? What's that about? Is that all to do with FGM? Or is no. It... It's, it's, that, that is to do with general well-being, mm. reproductive health. It could be um, talking about breast cancer, talking about prostate um, cancer, um, encouraging especially the African men mm. to talk about themselves, to mm -hmm. to kind of go to the hospital to have the necessary check, the screening and all that. So it's about reaching out to African people okay. mainly. Um, yesterday I was in Hackney. There's an organization that I work very closely with, um, Howard Foundation, um, the founder of this organization is from Sierra Leone. So I work with different countries. I've mm -hmm. been to Sierra Leone. Um, we went to Sierra Leone again for FGM and also to work it with some of the doctors and midwives to help in the um, birth centers. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to Njimina, Chad, again, okay. to work with reproductive health, not just FGM. And we're planning to go to Kenya Okay. Um, again, to support the midwife, the doctors, the nurses, to look at their policies. Um, we're not going there to say, hey, we have lots of experience yeah. than you. Or, no, yeah, we're just, going there share. to support them, yeah. to share our knowledge and our experience. For me, that is very powerful. And and the other things I work in the community, obviously, working very closely with survivors of FGM, mm. survivors of rape or different um, um, abuse, domestic abuse and so on. And also to work with the younger generation so that they are able to... Um, to have their own voice, mm -hmm. um, to be able to challenge cultural issues, to be able mm. to challenge tradition. And what I find out is that our young um, generation, our um, kids, they, they get really trapped between two cultures. Mm -hmm. You have your African culture and you have your European culture. You're mm. born here in the UK and you want to belong. How do you fit in yeah. and how, as parents, how are we kind of supporting our kids to mm. kind of flourish in this environment? Yeah, and assimilate to um, Yeah. Interesting. Um, and I also wanted to ask because I understand that you've you've you get you've got a lot of grants um, and money from grants that's allowed you to go and visit a lot of these mm -hmm. countries. What what's that process been like? Um, has that been too difficult? And then on top of that, 
I guess just out of curiosity, what kind of countries have you been to? <laughs> what was the most interesting? What was the most bizarre? Mm. Um, just those type of uh, Very interesting. Um, I guess the, let's talk about the funding. Very challenging, mm. obviously. Um, the way I've been able to manage things is that when people invite me to come to, for example, Australia or Congo or Gambia, they buy my flight yeah, ticket, ticket, obviously, yeah. and um, they arrange the hotel and mm. and and if there's um, um, it's not all the time that they you get money uh, like you. You've been paid. For mm. me, I'm doing this because it's my it's passion, passion yeah. and I'm doing it again for the community. I'm doing it for the girls and all that. So, and I know my husband always challenged me and said, You do most of the things for charity. Yeah, what about paying paid? your bills and things? <laughs> and for me, I really enjoy that. Yeah. So, again, there's no huge money there. Yeah. And um, I do have, even up to last week, I do have different organizations writing to me and say, can you support us? We mm. need funding. We want to do A, B, C, D. And what I've been able to do is direct them to the different right to um, organizations that I have links with that can maybe support them in terms of funding. And we have um, WhatsApp groups with... Yeah other young people, especially in media, back in Nigeria, Somalia, Kenya, and um, there's another one in Sierra Leone. So my phone is always jam-packed because yeah. I work Always very closely yeah, with this. So again, in terms of funding, I always say, which this is the honest truth, if I win the lottery today, mm. all my money will go on charity. Mm. I will support all the people working in the grassroots. Yeah. Because where we're failing is, we go to Africa, do five years... Um, project what's once the five years project finishes what happens yeah exactly yeah. so they have to be it has to be ongoing term, again yeah. not only on fgm reproductive health and yeah. looking at other issues as well you ask about countries that i've been to i've been to so many countries yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. um <laughs> canada australia and which one i'm trying to see Ah, the one that really, really, this might sound silly yeah. as an as a, um, as somebody that grew up in Nigeria myself, yeah. but when I went to Njimina in Chad, yeah. it was nice. We, we went to work. This one was really to work with the midwives to look at their policies and help them on their um, on birth centers and so on. And we met lots of the um um, the midwives and the senior midwives and the heads and all that. But unfortunately, this was the time where they had infests, infestation of um, cricket, rickets. Okay. Oh, okay. my oh, God. Yeah. And this was everywhere, everywhere yeah. in the country. Yeah. <laughs> and they were trying to control it. And then uh, we went to meet the uh, Minister of Health. Mm. And in his office... Your crickets. <laughs> there were 
these things fly yeah. and this really kills me. Yeah. And everybody was looking at me thinking, what's wrong with you? Are you not an African woman or something? I was like yeah, was jumping. Yeah. And so I would never, I, I, I even took photographs, videos and yeah. things. And it, that that's, and again, when I went to Somaliland, again, seeing roaches flying and mm. I get really, really. So you, I guess you're not one for bugs then. I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but from that, I've really enjoyed, because for me, wherever I go, I try to bring myself down to the level. Yeah. The yeah. People, Whatever yeah. you will have, I manage with you. Yeah. And that's the way I am. I can cope and work anywhere anyway, yeah. and that's why I, 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 I can work with anybody yeah anybody anywhere anytime and so I think I think you're quite privileged or lucky in terms of mm. I know a lot of African people myself included and black people actually full mm. stop who would really love to see Africa in its entirety mm. um you know I'm Nigerian I've, I've only been to Nigeria and Africa. I know people generally have only been to one or two places yeah. um but I guess you've really got You've you've been able. To, I mean, you said you've been to Kenya, which is mm-hmm. east. You've been mm-hmm. to Chad, which mm. is like north yeah. north central Africa. Obviously, Nigeria and Australia, um, Australia, I know. all around the world. So um, you've really experienced the the wide wider black diaspora. Mm. Um, and um, I I know that you retired recently yeah. um, from from uh, guys, guys in St. St. Thomas, Thomas so that you could do some work. Or, or so that you could plan towards yeah. going back to Nigeria and doing yeah. some healthcare. My, right my plan has always that. been for since about ten years. I've always said when I'm fifty five, I'm going to retire so that I can take my experience because mm. that was my main reason for mm. coming to the UK, UK in, in the, the first place, place yeah. so that I can take my experience back to Nigeria, especially, yeah. and then link it up to other African countries. Because when I went to Nigeria, I was talking about this WhatsApp group yeah. went to Nigeria two years ago and met fantastic media young people mm. and I remember while we were in this um, the wasn't a hotel but it was um, some hostel we were staying and the young people that came we had um academy for them training academy so that they can go to their own various villages mm-hmm. to campaign against FGM and other um, harmful practices and I remember every evening while I was in my room I'll get a knock. Can we come to talk? Can I come to talk? All the ladies there, almost 20 and different times, came to my room. Mm. And I just thought, oh, my God, I really have to come back home yeah. and do something. Some will come in and say, you know what, I have problems with my period. Mm. Another person will say I have fibroids and things mm. like that. Just all women's issue. Yeah. And I was really pleased I was able to guide them. Yeah. I was able to give them information. Again, we do have lots of doctors from UK and from America that goes back to different parts mm. of Africa, maybe two, three three times a year to yeah. give um to, um, to, to give back to to yeah to share the knowledge yeah. and i was able to link people to um to this group and we've just had a group that just came back that went to gambia so i have links in te- in terms of that so i'm hoping my overall aim is to set up something um in, in nigeria even if it's not a, a big clinic yeah 
um, a referring center. Yeah. 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 Because the links that I've been able to make both here and in America yeah. and worldwide, at le- uh, that will be very useful. Mm. If we have a, a referring center, reproductive health, family planning, mm. and then I'll be able to link... Um, link whatever the women and their family needs to other hospitals, even even in Nigeria. I have my links in Nigeria as well, and to other African countries as well as um, to UK or yeah. other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and um, just randomly, mm. I heard that you are good family friends with the Adenuga family, so Skepta, Jamie. <laughs> Um, I guess I I just wanted to know what's it like sort of seeing them growing up to who they've become now and that sort of thing. I know. Um, Yes. um, Auntie Ify. Yeah. And uncle, we'll call him uncle. Um, Obviously, there's their parents. Um, um, Seeing them growing up, um, I guess what I will say is, it's it's really interesting, obviously, yeah. and it's really fantastic to see, um, to 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 kind of see somebody that you know you've nurtured, maybe yeah. not physically, because yeah. I don't want to take any credit. Yeah, that, of course, um, yeah, yeah, of course. But I know that the yeah. family very well. I see them growing up, yeah. and um, to for them to be who they are now, it's it's a real blessing, and yeah. um, we really appreciate that. And in the sense that, obviously, um, how will I say it? I'm trying to, to say it, it, it is a, a it is a honor. It yeah. is a, a joy um, to see that they've been, they are who they are. Yeah. Do you understand? And um, and also to kind of be part of the family, yeah, if you yeah. like. I, yeah. guess, I guess I was also asking because, um, you know, a lot of, the idea of someone going off and becoming a musician mm. um, as a career, especially I know, coming Africa, from an immigrant background yes, and an yes. African background, especially, it's almost, and then not just a musician, but a grime musician, mm. even more specifically. Um, I'm sure there were many times when people were thinking, what are these kids doing? Like, is it, are they going to make it? But obviously, I, we're, I mean, Skepta's probably one of the most famous people mm. in the UK mm. as we speak mm. right now. So, um, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying because then, obviously, when we were growing up, yeah. and I think we try to put the same pressure to our children. When I was growing up, the the career that you have to be is you have to be a doctor, yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Music, forget <laughs> it. You can't even discuss that with your parents. Yeah. It's like what? Yeah, and yeah, but now I think it's it's really good that we have. Um, people like that out there to mm. show the world that you can be whoever you want to be yeah. as long as you have the support and you're being nurtured and all that and um, you still make it. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so um, just before we wrap it up, um, there's two questions we like to ask all of our guests. Mm. Um, the first one is, if you could go back to your mid-20s, um, so I'm I'm 27 myself, but okay. you're speaking to a generation of millennials in general. Mm. Um, if you could go back to that that time period of your life, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm. I guess what I've, advice I'll give myself, which I always say to mm. my daughters, is then, obviously, 
you're still very young. Mm. 20, well, 27. I didn't have a clue in this world when mm. I was, yeah. And um, what I, what advice I will have given, I will give myself is to be more focused. Yes, I was focused, but at the same time, I didn't think about business. I didn't think about buying properties. That's mm. the key thing that I always say to my daughters. If I knew then, I would have f- finished paying my mortgage now mm. and I would be struggling and all that. I always say I would have done some maybe business at the other side yeah. um yes i had my career and i was still studying and all that but i didn't think about buying properties mm. or um doing business so that that's the advice i'll give, give myself yourself. and that's the advice i keep saying to my kids uh, yeah. yeah and i guess you kind of answered it with the, the other question is what advice would you give to a generation of millennials yeah, I guess my advice is um, because it breaks my heart to see that we're losing lots of our our, uh, our young yeah, men. Yeah, someone got shot young, in green yeah, a couple, that, uh, couple it's, days it's, ago. It breaks well. my heart. Yeah. Even yesterday at this um, function, at this event, and that was one of the things we were discussing. What mm. are we doing wrong as parents? Mm. Where are we? What have we... What, what, Yes, I know uh, uh, many, many years ago, the support was there. You had the after-school club. You mm. have the things that the young people can engage yeah. with and do, but now it's not there. Yeah. Again, going back to us as parents, yes, we go to work 24-7. Do we have enough time with our kids? Mm. Do we do we challenge them? Do we know what they're doing outside? Do we know who they're friends? And we don't have time mm. for our kids anymore, which um, it's really, really disturbing. And oh, seeing our kids being killed, it breaks mm. my heart. And that's another thing that I keep um, speaking to lots of my generation to see what we can do and working with younger people as well. Mm. Um, yeah, my advice obviously out there is to encourage, um, the young people to talk, Mm. um, to engage with young people Mm. is very, very key and very important. Yeah. 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 And on that note, to be honest, that that, that is kind of the, Mm. almost what's behind this podcast in itself is, is what I'm hoping anyway and mm. we'll see how it pans out but what I'm yeah. hoping anyway is by talking to people such mm. as yourself and mm. other successful black British people who've made a success of themselves here um, that that can also inspire people who are coming yeah. up um, who who might feel hopeless or who might feel mm. or even even if it's not as deep as that but just they're in their career they're feeling a bit lost they're mm. wondering whether it's going to mm. pay whether mm. it's going to be rewarding i mean as you said you've done like loads of community work and so and you never did it for for the reward no. but i think often uh, having a carrot at the end yeah. can can really drive people and i think hearing from people like yourselves and the other the other people I'll be interviewing mm. um, as time goes on um I'm really hoping that people can kind of be inspired and mm. be motivated by that and kind of see why it is worth it continuing it 
along the mm. quote unquote right mm. path or what what whatever it is that they're doing. They do. Yeah. Can, can I just say if you going to have a data or base or yeah. please I will be more than happy yeah. um to support and mentor oh, and link oh, young people yeah. to, uh, to to my contacts oh, there because yeah. I have lots of um contacts out there that I'll be able to oh, in terms fantastic. of mentorship and yeah Oh, that's fantastic. That's absolutely yeah. fantastic. I don't know if you've got any social media or anything like that that people can follow you on or not really. I do have, but then I don't, um, don't use it, <laughs> use it that, that much. Okay. I use lots of Facebook. I okay. do Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I've just put things there um, before coming here in yeah. terms of um, uh, Mother's Day and yeah. encouraging people. And Happy people. Mother's Day, by the way. Sorry, Thank I forgot you. to say Encouraging that. people and all that. Yeah. I have Instagram. I have um, all the ones that you young people have. Okay. And my daughters always say, how dare you, mom, having Instagram <laughs> or having this, having that? I say, look, I want... I'm part no, of the I world do, <laughs> I do have them. Okay, okay. But well, maybe I need to use them more for yeah. now. <laughs> okay, well, afterwards, anyway, I'll try and get your, your information yeah. and put it up just in case anyone wants to yeah. try and get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much for, for coming thank along you. today. It's been fantastic. And, thank um, you. Yeah. Um, thanks for doing this work oh, no problem at all yeah. no problem at all thank you mm.